This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. Brace yourselves, there's a lot to deal with here. Scott Owen. Firstly, Raw Fans of Melbourne are going to have your head for that. And Adam Pace. <laughs> it's good to see that you're listening. Starting now. Hello everyone, we're back for another edition of the Brisbane Football Review. It is James, Scott and Adam here with you and... Uh, well, I don't know about how you're feeling at home listening to us, but I'm really enjoying the Australia Cup this year. There's just something about it. Maybe it's the fact that uh, another Queensland team, this time the Brisbane Raw, are into the semi-finals. And Adam, it was a great game last night, wasn't it? Yeah, I think uh, unexpected result from uh, a lot of a lot of people, but uh, yeah, Brisbane Roar into the final four for the first time, the second Queensland club to uh, make uh, the same finals Australia Cup. So, and also as well, they've got a uh, pretty, what you think would be a pretty favourable tie uh, in their semi-finals. So look, it may, the story may not be uh, over as far as the Brisbane Roar's uh, cup campaign. Scott, how are you going after the game last night? I'm going good, James. It's a great week to be here in South East Queensland. So you've got the uh, Cup game on Sunday again up at AJ Kelly Park. You mentioned the Roar through to the semi-finals. We've got semi-finals this weekend and the national team in town. It's a great week to be a football fan here in South East Queensland. Definitely. And the weather's getting really nice too. Only it's downside... a great time of year for the weather, isn't it? Yes. It, the only downside is it is magpie swooping season, which means I can't go outside in daylight hours. Or is that... That's probably just a me thing, isn't it? No, I don't know. Do they, they swoop at night? Uh, I haven't been swooped at night. In the daytime, yes. Either way, birds are evil. Well, Dublin Park tomorrow night will test that theory. (laughs) Very, very much so. All right. This is the Brisbane Football Review. We're pleased to be on our new podcast home of Anchor after uh, Wooshka was uh, retired. So that means uh, if you are still subscribing to our feed, it should be fine anyway. If not, Welcome aboard if you're a new listener. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football, Instagram, Brisbane Football Review. And uh, since we're on a new podcast platform, now's probably the time to say remember to like and rate and leave only positive uh, reviews uh, and definitely no criticism of the weekday host, Scott. All the, all the weekend host either. Yeah, I've had the weekend criticism. host. <laughs> yes, well, we do know Adam's a confrontational one on the show. <laughs> anyway, we've got a lot to cover. We've got uh, the Australia Cup quarterfinals. Uh, we've got a uh, post-game interview with Rick Coglin from Peninsula Power after that pretty epic day uh, up on the Peninsula on Sunday afternoon. Uh, we've also got a little bit more to cover in terms of news that's come out for the Brisbane Roar. We might also have a quick uh, touch on the national team and maybe just very, very briefly discuss the upcoming weekend of local football as well. It's a lot to fit in over the next half an hour, 45 minutes. So let's get right to it. And we will start off with the most recent game down at Service FM Stadium. Bit of an undermanned roar uh, went down there to South Australia. But the good news was, Adam, the uh, Road Warrior Roar managed to pick up another win, the fourth in a row in the Australia Cup. Yeah, uh, a, bi- a big win for um, Brisbane Roar in terms of their head-to-head against Adelaide United. They five without a, a win. So, uh, yeah, the turntables on the three-time cup winners, I think, was a very, very uh, 
good performance. Obviously, the, the first half is what they did the job, and then they held on grimly uh, in the second half, albeit uh, they had a numerical advantage. But, uh, yeah, they in cup football, it's not it's not how pretty it is. It's how you do it. And the Raw, you know, they advance on a um, 2-1 win. And they did it with some pretty key absences as well, Scott. They did. They were missing um, Tom Aldred and Scott Neville at the back. But even without those guys' experience at the back, I thought Lou Zabala came in at left back and did an outstanding job nullifying Ben Halloran on that side of the pitch. So I thought the young guys they brought in, Anton Milnaritz in the middle, was really good. So while they were missing some key experienced players at the back, defensively they were really solid. And going forward, James, we know that that's the Raw's real strength. But once again, the Riku Danzaki and Charlie Austin impact in the front third. It can't be undersold. The, work, the impact they're having and their movement and the things that they're creating for themselves and other players, it's a real joy to watch, isn't it? It really is. I, I want to go back to the defence uh, quickly and say, so of the well, the four defenders, that was uh, pretty much an entirely new backline from well, every player in the backline had swapped around or uh, been changed from the round of sixteen clash with Avondale, uh, because uh, Connor Chapman had to move to the right side of uh, defence to accommodate Milnarich. The right back was Kai Truen, who was also playing in uh, the midfield and Louis Zabala who I still think he's a midfielder but you know in the uh, A-League side he has been playing nominally as a right back so that was the absolute definition of a makeshift defense and they held out really really well Adam. They did um I said uh, they really in the second half it resulted pretty much in Adelaide pretty much trying to you know I'm, I'm not gonna say milk penalties but you know sort of run it run at players and try and sort of you know get a foul or anything like that Adelaide in the second half didn't really uh construct too much of one or one or two chances I know uh before especially once uh Hiroshi Ibusaki Suki got sent off um yeah like I said they really didn't uh establish too much especially in the dying minutes yeah, well, the thing that really jumped out uh, for me, you mentioned Adelaide and their, what's the delicate word, conduct there. You could you could see that they were getting really, really frustrated. And, yes, they were missing a few players as well. So you can't say that it was a, you know, completely 100% full-strength uh, Adelaide United side. But to the Raw's credit, not only did they uh, go down there with a game plan um, to, you know, work the work. Uh, their way through Adelaide, but they also like absolutely dominated the mental side of the game too. You could see, you know, Isai Isai is want to do, that's what with an O. Every time something happened, he's up there screaming at the referee. And just once I want to see one of those referees show a spine and book the little whinger. But um, he, like, you could see just how frustrated the rest of the Adelaide squad was. And that was the polite version of what I was saying about Isai Isai uh, compared to what was going in our chat last night, Scott. I was going to say thank you for cleaning up that character reference of Isaias because that's not what you described him as last time. We won't go into any of that, but you're right. I mean, look, they did lose a bit of a plot in the Adelaide, and look, the Raw did start the um, the what the um, slowing the game down stuff pretty early in the second half. But when you when you're two one ahead in the game, you can play however you want to play, and it wasn't that slow either. They were still creating things on the break, so I don't know what Adelaide were really complaining about, but. To your point, the Raw controlled large parts of this game. You think back to the first half and the way they were on the attack for pretty much that whole half. And they could have been and probably should have been further in front in the game and maybe had the tie one in the first half. But I thought it was a really good performance of the Raw. But in the first half, I really enjoyed the attacking intent, James. And that's something that I, that 
it was there to a bit last year, but the import players have brought in have taken it to a whole other level and it's helping to get the better players they have. They even got that Nikola Milayuzic. Now his his speed is Adam likes to say he he runs really fast. Now now there's now it's actually a benefit to the raw because they've got players who can find him in that space and it's starting to really click in the front third. Yes, Milayuzic. He's the fastest, but I I think you know you spoke about the additions of Austin and Danzaki compared to last year. What I noticed was the biggest difference from the round of 16 was the inclusion of Jay O'Shea just quarterbacking the team, pulling the strings all over the park. And he got his reward with an absolute belter in the seventh minute to get things going because Riku had had a chance about two minutes beforehand and then eventually the ball just broke to O'Shea and he went, stuff it, I'm shooting. And it was a howitzer that went past Joe Gauchy. Yeah, look, that's the that's thing is uh, I think that the stark difference, I think, with this raw side at the moment is the quality that, that Charlie Austin and Riku Denzaki is bringing. That first goal was typical of, you know, how much this, this attack is so much better. You know, you know Nikola Mulisnich was pretty much the one that, you know, sort of, you know, would be credited with the, um, I guess, with the assist when he sort of cut inside and cut back where, and with Jay O'Shea sort of, you know, you know in space, took, you know, took that shot, you know, very low backswing. And yeah, look, it was a, it was a great shot. Like Joe Gauchy just made a couple of saves prior to that. So he couldn't say that he wasn't seeing the ball well. It was just too good. And uh, again, it's a threat that Denzaki, it's a threat that Austin is uh, is bringing, even though Miliuznich is starting to sort of, you know, be a threat. And that's what you need. Need. And uh, if you have your your uh, midfielders scoring from range, that's something that you know that's going to make the raw very very dangerous. And I think it's certainly positive signs. Not it's certainly not there yet, but they certainly are trending in the right direction, especially compared to last season. I think I think the most encouraging thing as well, and I will you know go a little bit positive for Adelaide here. I thought Joe Gauchy was far and away their best player. He kept Adelaide in the game in that first half. And just before the half hour mark, I remember uh, thinking, you know, the Raw really do need to get that second goal. And lo and behold, it was Charlie Austin uh, escaping two markers at the near post to uh, not home for his first competitive Raw goal. Yeah, it's been spoke about how he hasn't scored yet, but he's been making a lot of contributions in the front that are really positive. But the goal last night, hopefully, it'll be the first of many. It's great for the great confidence for him. We always knew he was going to score a lot of goals this year, but to get the first one out of the way is always really positive thing for the strike. And you're right, it was a it was a good bit of play to, to lose two markers there and a clever header down, James, as well. Quite often players will, you'll see, get that, get to that space and then head it over the bar. He was able to control it quite nicely, get it down into the goal. And at that point, you thought the Raw were going to really run away with it, didn't you, in terms of the way they were controlling the game. They had two or three chances just before that, like the first goal. You thought, well, this could be three, four by half on the way it was going. Credit to Adelaide and your point, Joel Gauchy, for making some really key says they got a goal back right before half time but really the first half was probably the best Raw played in a long time yeah far, far and away that was a remarkable first half and again I'll, that's one of those times where i'll give warren moon plenty of credit because it does seem like he had worked out a way to unlock adelaide and you know thinking about um the way that they'd set up the changes they probably had to make to the team at the last minute i mean He held their nerve well because when Adelaide got that one back, it did sort of feel like maybe the game was starting to level out a little bit. 
And that, that's the difference, I think, between the Raw squad of, you know, 21, 22, and this, and this squad coming up now, at least on the little evidence we've seen so far, is that this seems to be a, a lot more resilient. It's like, yes, the goal they can see was, I think, was pretty scrappy. I think uh, Macklin Freak might have, you know, made a bit of a mistake, you know, whether he should have, you know, rushing out and him completely missed the ball, which allowed... Uh, you know, Hiroshi Basuki to sort of, you know, toe poke it past them. But other than that, they actually looked, you know, the defence looked all in control. And that's saying a lot considering that you're missing, you know, Scott Neville and Tom Aldred. So you bring them back into that. Uh, you, you, you've got to give some confidence that, you know, this defence may have sort of, you know, been fixed up. But as I said earlier, if there's one sort of, you know, positive you can say out of the raw from last season, we know defensively they're quite sound, albeit the occasional, you know, sort of soft goal they can see normally from a set piece. But um, yeah, definitely it looks like that, you know, business as usual as far as defence goes. And but the it's it's the attacking play that I think that's what we need to see more of, you know, going forward and whether they're actually, you know, gonna you know, continue to improve as, as a squad. Yeah, the one thing I was looking ahead to the second half, James, was, was one thing I was a little bit surprised at was when the Raw were two one up in the second half. The substitutions. I, I didn't dislike the idea of bringing on the two guys that they did bring on. I thought maybe Warren might have brought on Jez Lofthouse as well, and just for that extra threat going the other way in, in transition. And it just seemed like that was the game was set up for that, wasn't for Ivanovic and Jez Lofthouse to come on off the bench and really cause havoc going the other way as Adelaide had to push further and further forward. So that did surprise me a little bit, but the, the obviously Ivanovic came on did okay, and Jesse Daly in the middle made sense to try and really solidify the centre of the park as a as a real strength for the organ that had the man advantage in there. But I'm just surprised they didn't bring on Jez Lofthouse as well as a an extra threat down the um, left-hand side for for a, an attacking threat in transition. It is nice when we're nitpicking and saying, oh, maybe I would have brought on this guy as well or something. After last year, it is you know kind of nice to just be thinking, maybe he could have gone to kill the game away. Again, if I'm nitpicking, minor thing, maybe, you know, I wouldn't have... Uh, look to try and just close the game out as early as they did, even with the man advantage. But it, it worked in the end. Freak made a spectacular save off his ace with about 15 minutes to go, that long-range effort, which, you know, how often do we see that one dip over the keeper and uh, under the crossbar? So, it, you know, good job to the Raw. They're into the Australia Cup semifinals for the first time in their history. And we are seeing a steady progression for the Raw over the, ne- over the last couple of... Um, Editions of the Australia Cup since Warren Moon took over, which is a really good sign. Their opponents in the semi-final will be the team that we saw up close and in person on uh, Sunday, Scott. Just want to move on from that game. Game. One last thing. Service FM Stadium. Mm. How good is that? As a facility that Football Federation South Australia have got down there, how, that's, it's amazing that we could only really see the main field, but it looked like there were a lot of other fields over the back as well. And you have to think... Of, the, um, that sort of facility is something that football here in Queensland is really crying out for. Not necessarily at, at Perry Park, which people want to get renovated. That's a whole separate thing. But a facility like that, which Football Federation South Australia can run run all their programs out of, that's something that I'm sure Football Queensland would really love to have. And I just want to give credit to, to them for building that because it looks absolutely spectacular down there. I think that's probably what, if anything, uh, that's what the facility uh, down down the road from my place here uh, at at, um, at Brenda. I think that's probably what they're going for. Except that that's um, that main stadium 
is actually go for for its purpose. Yeah, you know, seven thousand seven thousand capacity. I think the grandstands a thousand uh, thousand seats. I think it, it does it does well. And like I said, obviously, I think the whole way through there has been a game at at a Service FM Stadium. So I think it's a really nice fest. Twenty four million dollars for that entire facility. So uh, so yeah, now well done. You know, go to Football SA uh, and look. Hopefully that you know certain other governing bodies you know look at that and say you know what maybe we should have one. Hang on, $24 million, you said? Let me check how much the lotto is this weekend. <laughs> um, anyway, yes, As now we can move on that, yeah, Services FM Stadium would be perfect, especially, you know, if it uh, if that's what the uh, venue in Adam's backyard turns into. Yeah, now, let, I hope so. Make it happen, now, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, now, moving on uh, to AJ Kelly Park, Sunday afternoon, Penn Power, Sydney United, didn't go the way uh, for the home side. Power's run comes to an end in the quarterfinals. But I'll tell you what, there was a lot to enjoy from that game outside of the result. I mean, okay, it wasn't great at the end of the game, but having the travelling fans at the street end uh, behind one of the goals did add to did add to the occasion. Yeah, there was just a lot really to enjoy uh, from it as well. Power had a couple of players uh, really stand out as well, and that cut tie was decided by one hell of a goal, wasn't it, Scott? It was. If you take the result out of it, it, it was absolutely a terrific occasion, wasn't it? You're right. It was not the result, but it was a great occasion. The atmosphere around the ground was absolutely spectacular. One of the biggest crowds I've ever seen at AJ Kelly Park up there. I'm not sure you could have fit too many more people into the place, and it was a, a great oh, afternoon sorry, of football. Sorry, Scott. Yep. Uh, we do have some breaking news that's just been released three minutes ago, so we will okay. jump onto that. Uh, confirmation, the Raw Sydney United semi-final will be 2pm on Sunday, the 11th of September at Sydney United Sports Centre. I know it's a podcast, so it's not, we're not actually going out live, but I still like doing the breaking news. Anyway. Very much looking forward to that matchup down there at Denzel Park in a couple of weeks. But back to the point about um, the game on Sunday. It was The result wasn't great, but everything else around it was perfect. I mean, for Peninsula Power to get that many people there at AJ Kelly Park was something I haven't seen in a long time. The football was really good. It's just... As much as Peninsula Power were able to create openings, they just weren't able to create enough openings to test Daniel Nisic enough to get themselves back into the game. And it, they, they tried everything they tried in previous weeks. So I got it on the Sunday show, James. They they brought the young kid in Malachi Lalsamira. He, he had an impact in the round 32. He did it again against against Sydney United on Sunday. Not quite able to get their goal at that time. They brought Alex Smith in off the bench to save the game against Bentley Greens or Beanley Greens, as we like to call them. They weren't able to get it. Like they brought him on, they weren't able to get it this time. So they tried every trick they had. They just weren't able to get over the line. And there's no shame in that. They made it to the last eight of a National Cup competition. And for a club which is barely two decades old and having all the, all the success they've had, they've spoken to them that they rate this as their biggest ever achievement to get this far in the national stage. There's no shame in going out the way they did. They played really well. They just were a little unlucky on the day. And it brings them to what's been a really memorable Cup campaign for all of them up, everyone up on the peninsula. Just one correction uh, of fact, uh, Scott. It was uh, actually Big Green Bank Gully. Thank you. I, as soon as I said <laughs> Beanley Greens, yeah. I knew I knew I messed up. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Green Green Bank Gully as we call them. Uh, but look, yeah, oh, there's not much more I can add to that. Uh, Fifteen hundred people. The official attendance. It felt like a hell of a lot more than that. But. Uh, you know, we were always always questioning what the attendance up or down, but uh, yeah, look, I, I just think uh, Sydney United they're they're a very very disciplined team. Uh, took took the took the lead early with a you know, fantastic strike, and um, 
and yeah, look, and they, they sort of never really sort of looked, you know, in any sort of real sort of, you know, trouble as far as constant pressure. Obviously, um, power always sort of chipping away, looking to sort of, you know, take the opportunity, but they always seem to be in control. Daniel Nizic, I think, you uh, know, he looks to be, you know, one of the better goalkeepers in in probably in the second tier across you know across all the MPL competitions. He uh, he he was a, a real commanding presence and really sort of nullified uh, you know sort of powers sort of attacks. So look, uh, Sydney United. I think in the end of the day they were well deserved. Uh, you know, semi final qualifiers and yeah they they get the big uh, they get the big game at home against uh, Brisbane Roar in a couple of weeks and look, looking to add a second uh, A League scalp. That they do, and on uh, Nizic as well. I mean, seeing him up close and in person, it's no surprise he kept a clean sheet. He is a big boy with a very long reach. And I think the moment of the game that probably won it for uh, Sydney United outside of, you know, the goal that was a difference was the one-on-one save he had against Powers' star uh, man on the afternoon, Malachi Love Samira, who he was in uh, one-on-one. It was right in front of where we were standing, uh, you guys remember, and Lovesmere just tried to chip it over uh, the sliding keeper. And I feel like if he's taking on, you know, half the NPL keepers here, that goes over the top. But just because of the sheer size of Mizic, it just made it too hard uh, to get the ball over him. But I, I do want to move on now. and We'll keep this uh, quite quick on uh, this game. But, yeah, Malachi Lovesmere, he got off to an absolutely flying start in that game. Sydney United realised that, you know, the danger of him as well. And I saw a few times where he had two defenders marking him, um, making sure that he wasn't going to be the reason Power won. And then in the second half, he found his way back into the game as well. And that, to me, was the most impressive part of that whole performance. And it was just a shame that uh, they couldn't find an equaliser, although given uh, the time that I'm sure it was St. Scott, by the time uh, we made our way back to civilization, it was um, quite late anyway. So... 90-minute result, not the worst outcome for us. It's always good to get back over the bridge, back into civilization, isn't it? But you're right, Malachi Lovesamira is one of the players in this cup run for Peninsula Power whose stock has really risen. I mean, his, his performances in the cup alone have been absolutely exemplary. And it's interesting, you bring up Sydney United, it's just thinking back then, the difference between the, their approach in terms of their solid defensive display compared to Green Gully's absolute foot-on-the-throat attack anytime they got the ball, was a very different stylistically the way both different teams went about it. I don't know if it's a NPL, Victoria, New South Wales comparison or not, but it's very interesting to see two different teams from different states and how they went about it. And last thing for me on this game, James, we were this close to a, to a Redcliffe derby in the semi-final of the Australia Cup. So close. Yeah, played in God's country, excuse me. <laughs> All right. Um, after the game, you guys had a chance to catch up with uh, Rick Coughlin, the uh, coach of Peninsula Power, so let's listen to that now. We're talking about the coach about Rick Coughlin. Rick, 1-0 win here over Olympic. Must be very happy with that result. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, very, very pleased to pick up three points against uh, you know, a side like Olympic. Um, yeah, good performance. Solid performance there. Yeah, very pleased with three points. So it's the start of a busy week for the club. You've got the cup time midweek, so as a local derby next Sunday. It must be pleasing to get through that game unscathed. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that was obviously a, a really important factor to make sure we can also lead into Wednesday one off the back of a good performance and hopefully a good win. Uh, but two, uns- unscathed, you know, full bullet health, which uh, which we did. So yeah, very pleasing all around. I can imagine that having a big game on the Saturday here must make it easy to focus this week on this game as opposed to getting too far ahead of yourself with the cup tie. Yeah, of course. I think it's, it's a cliche, but yeah, one game at a time. You know, we've got to focus on making sure we're in the top four first and foremost, and then and then turn our attention to Wednesday night in the cup. So this win does move you up into third on the table, given other results this weekend. Mm-hmm. That top four spot is looking pretty good fit at the moment. Yeah, again, it's it's not over to it to the end. You know, we've got to keep working hard and keep grind, grinding out results. You know, we gave away some some poor results um, and dropped some points recently in East midweek. Um, so yeah, it was really important that we picked up some solid points today against uh, a team like, like Olympic. You know, it, it was a great result. It was great and good luck midweek. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thanks to Rick for taking the time after what would have been a very draining afternoon for him and pretty much everyone at Peninsula Power, but. I think they can be uh, pretty pleased with their overall efforts in the Australia Cup. They had to uh, run a bit of a gauntlet uh, to qualify in the end, but they got the job done. And now they can turn their attention to the NPL finals. But uh, before we get on to that, there is a story that we do have to uh, mention that has come out in the last couple of weeks with the Brisbane Roar. Because there is still a lot that is, I would say, uh, being resolved uh, with Corey Brown and the Brisbane Roar, we're not going to discuss it in a whole lot of detail. We're not going to offer opinions. We're not going to say anything more than, you know, we're aware of it. It's an unfortunate situation one way or another. And, yeah, basically, if you are a little bit unfamiliar with uh, what's going on, uh, it started on August 18th. The Raw released a very short statement saying that uh, Corey Brown has had his uh, contract terminated, uh, club wishes well with his future endeavours. That was followed up a few hours later by the PFA just taking a baseball bat uh, out, really, and swinging away. Um, yeah, basically uh, agitating the situation, um, saying that there is uh, judicial proceedings to dispute the Raw's termination of his contract. The Raw responded the following night, um, offering a little bit more clarification. Brown was terminated for serious misconduct. Uh, full particulars were provided to players' representatives, including the PFA. Um, Raw reject the PFA's statements. Uh, basically, it sounds like the Raw are disputing, uh, uh, terminating Corey Brown's contract. The PFA are disputing that whether or not they had the cause to, is my interpretation of that. Um, then there was a story uh, from Vince Rigari uh, elaborating on the circumstances a little bit more. Um, a few disrupted between Brisbane Raw and the A-League Players Union over uh, an attempt to sack defender Corey Brown over alleged drug use. What, uh, one of a number of serious legal battles the club is fighting that could force action against their Indonesian owner. Um, yeah, uh, the other point that Vince makes in that story as well, Brown, uh, a long-time club steward, has never failed a drug test. Uh, some of the other um, issues coming up as well, in Vince's story, the Raw are under investigation for an alleged job keeper wrought and are at risk of being thrown out of Queensland's NPL competitions due to unpaid debts from the state governing body. And, yeah, basically, uh, Football Queensland uh, have put out a statement in response to that. I've been talking for a while, uh, just offering their position on the matter as well. That's available on their website. And uh, calls for the Raw's owners to have their license trips uh, rejected by Danny Townsend. That was in a story by Marco Monteverde. Scott, 
you want to jump out of this? I'll bail you out, James. I mean, look, there's a lot of statements we put out there in the last couple of weeks, Jonathan. To your point right off the bat, there's not a lot we're going to say about this at this point in time. We've heard plenty of rumour and stuff all about it, but we're not going to get involved in it at this point, given there is still a Football Australia dispute to be heard at a future date. We're not sure when that's going to happen, but there's not a lot that we can say about it at this point in time, James. And the only thing I feel comfortable saying is, and this is, I think this is the, the fan base is blown up about it, as you would expect. And I think it's because it brings everyone back to the mindset of where the club was in 2015, when there was a lot of other off-field stuff, not necessarily the same as this, but just off-field issues. And I think our people are thinking back to those days and hoping that this is not a return to those dark days. That's the one thing I, I think I've, I'm comfortable saying. And I, I, hopefully that's not what's going to happen, but I think that's what's triggered a lot of the responses, the fact that there's been issues in the past, and we're all hoping that they're not going to be replicated in the future regarding ownership and some of the things that have happened. Yeah. Adam, uh, anything you want to say on the matter? The only, I guess, opinion um, that I'm going to offer is that for both parties, just resolve this. Like, at the end of the day, we, we're going to hear eventually, you know, through that uh, football stray dispute, uh, that that dispute hearing, yeah, obviously they're going to offer both Virgil's side. I think, you know, you know whether whether you believe, you know, the allegations or, you know, the way the Raw have handled it. I look, to, to be honest, I just hope that, you know, I hope for two things. One, that the parties resolve it in, you know, as, as little bloodless, you know, as possible. And two, I think at the end of the day, whatever the result be, that, you know, I think the important thing is, I think where the, where I think the PFA, while their best intentions, I think has you know, had a bit of a, you know, a bee in their bonnet with the raw. And obviously you expect them to defend their, their member, their player. All I, I guess all I hope for, and I think I, I guess I speak for a lot of fan base, is that, that you know, Corey Brown, no, it is okay, and that you know that that at the end of the day, it's probably paramount to all. You know, but um, yeah, look, I I just hope you know a, a quick and speedy resolution. Look, hopefully that they can actually go to they they don't even have to go to the to football straight resolve. Just resolve it. Yeah, you know, give give Corey what he's entitled to, and you know, rule line under. I think I, I don't think anyone wins if this is if this dispute drags out, especially you know with the raw. You know, obviously on the pitch, all of a sudden seems to be in you know a bit of form. The last thing you want is this off-the-field saga. And then, like I said, as as we've mentioned, it's it's not just one issue. There seems to be multiple battlefronts at the moment. Like I said, whatever the resolution is, I think that's probably the best for everyone, especially on this one. Draw a line under it. Go separate ways. I think it's clear that Corey Brown has played his last game in Brisbane Royal Coles. I think that's for sure, no matter what comes out of uh, of future sort of evidence or um, stories that come out. Yep, that, that's exactly it. And that was the point I was going to close on as well, Adam, where, but to me personally, the longer this drags on, the, you know, the less and less of the victory will be for whichever side does wind up uh, coming out on top. The sooner it gets resolved and both parties are just able to move on, that feels like mm. the best way uh, that this handled. And, you know, whether Corey Brown is uh, guilty or not, I don't, I genuinely yeah, have no gonna, idea. Yeah. Uh if he's guilty or not, you just hope that he is getting the necessary support um, from uh, those around him at this point in time. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm sure yeah. people are tuning into this thinking and hoping we might elaborate more, but there's just not a lot that we can actually say at this point in time without yeah, without potentially getting ourselves in trouble. And that's and I'm not that's something I'd, all three of us are not going to do. Yeah. So. I, I, just, I, just add, I just want to add one supplemental point to this is that 
for those that are antagonizing and you know hoping to use this as a crutch to you know to overthrow the Bakris, this is not the this is not the battle to to you know die on the hill for. Yeah, at the end of the day, no matter what your feelings are, look, you know, there, there are going to be other instances and other times where, you know what, you can blame the backreads for whatever you want. But like I said, at the end of the day, the welfare of the play is the most important thing. And he uses some agenda-driven thing to finally you know, get rid of the backreads. As whatever we, our opinions are of the way they've run this club, of how the management has been running this club, this is not the battle to, you know, to have. This is, this is so separate and so different to everything else. That you know, there's going to be other occasions. I can guarantee you that. But you know, like I said, I think the best thing for all the fans is hope that this gets resolved speedily and quickly, and so everyone can move on, both parties. Yeah, that that's it. Like, it it just needs to uh, be resolved, and uh, that you know, when the, when the uh, particulars are sorted out, then we might be able to offer a little bit more concrete uh, discussion on the matter as well. It's just right now, it's not fair on anyone for us, uh, anyone involved to speculate one way or another and try and fuel the flames. Um, and yeah, know, if there is and... going to be a hearing, we're not going to say anything that could prejudge that in any way either. Yep. Yeah, because everyone listens to us. We know that. <laughs> now, back on to uh, something a little bit more lighthearted. The Raw's A-League women squad is uh, starting to take shape, published yesterday on the uh, club's website with two latest signings, Talitha Kramer and Isabella Shuttleworth. Um, and they join a squad that, as it stands, uh, has Ish Nari, Holly Palmer, Shay Connors, Larissa Crummer, Sean Fryer, Mariel Hecker, Holly McQueen, Katrina Gorey, and Georgia Beaumont. So Gareth McPherson's squad has a bit of a familiar feel to it. A few new names coming in uh, here and there, or coming back, because it should be with uh, Gorey. But the uh, one new player thus far is Talitha Kramer, Adam. Yeah, um, sort of a wide player for Kapalba. She's had a great season for for Kapalba. Um, obviously, Kapalba in the midst of the of what is a very very tight fight in the uh, MPL women's competition at the moment. But you know, I think isolating her performances for Kapalba, she has been very very good. So uh, I think obviously she's gonna she's gonna add uh, a lot of value and a lot of sort of you know. Um, I guess a, a lot of presence to um, that. I guess she probably will be probably playing as a fullback, uh, and and yeah, look, I, I think she she will go um, pretty well. Yeah, um, and yeah, uh, Scott George Beaumont's uh, signing came out uh, last week. I was just only going to ask that James because that's the second signing that they all have announced that we know of, and it continues the trend of Queensland first and NPL Queensland in particular being a source of talent that the Raw are looking for to build their squad in the A-League. Women's Garth McPherson is very familiar with a lot of these players, and it's something that they're leaning on heavily. It was relatively successful last year in terms of the players they brought in coming in having a real impact. I know they missed the top four, James, but only barely. And it's it's clearly a path that they're going of giving Queensland talent a chance on the national stage. It's good to see Talitha and Georgie added to that list of players at the Raw this year. I know both have played last year in the league, but good to see them now back in in raw colours. Yes, and we speak of Queensland uh, talent first. We are counting Shea Connors as an honorary Queenslander as well. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so that's uh, how that squad is taking shape. That season will begin in mid-November, I'm pretty sure. The draw is still yet to be confirmed. Um, and Full home we'll... season this year as well. Yep. Woohoo! More football. Um, speaking of more football, there is some action at Suncorp Stadium this Saturday. The Matildas are taking on uh, the Canadians, eh? 
What's that about? And you are going to be absolutely crucified in the Cana- with our Canadian followers. <laughs> I'm not getting in the middle of this either. Wait, no, that's okay. The, the joys of uh, Canada is they're going to make like ice hockey players walk up, drop the gloves, punch me a few times. But then once I hit the ground, everything's all good. Ah, oh, look, uh, yeah, look. You the, are going to be in the penalty box. The, the, the lady, <laughs> there it is. Thank you. Yes. The Lady Canucks are the Olympic champions, so a very, very stern test for the Matildas. But Matildas actually, they have a half decent record uh, at home, even against the best. They, you know, they, they sort of they drew and uh, and lost against the United States, who are the you know the world champions and and the recognised number one team. So, look, it's a. Uh, it's going to be interesting, you know, as far as on the field goes. But I think the big major story as far as what the fans are looking for is this progression of this squad, um, you know, as far as, you know, the preparations for the World Cup goes. Uh, look, I, I don't know if the fan base can take another big, big loss over this two-game series against um, against Canada. Yep. It is going to be a very big test for the Matildas. And, uh, you, you know, you get the feeling... This might – I don't want to I don't want to go overly dramatic because it is still a friendly and, you know, we all know my opinion, uh, opinions on friendlies after several hundred episodes of this show. But, Scott, like, it does feel like this is where Gustafsson will need to prove a point. It does. It most certainly does need to prove a point given the calendar hasn't exactly gone the way that he or Football State would have hoped it would with the materials. The Asian Cup situation, which we've covered in the past, didn't necessarily go all that well. They got some decent results against – New Zealand, but also they're probably not necessarily as convincing in the first of those games in particular as they would have hoped. So these two games are really important for Tony Gustafson and the Matildas squad as they now really start to to ramp up their preparations for the World Cup. I think experimentation time might be pretty close to being finished, and I expect these two games, James, to be to be almost dressed rehearsals for how they want to play against big teams at home in the World Cup next year. I I, I don't expect too much experimentation. I think it's going to be two really strong sides and hopefully two really good games, or at least in particular the first game, which will be out on Saturday afternoon up at Suncorp Stadium. Yes. Uh, you guys will be there and I will also be tuning in on uh, Saturday night for the NPL semi-finals. It's actually a big weekend of local football and I don't want to step on the toes of uh, NPL Sunday too much, but I do feel like we have to very briefly discuss things. And we'll start off with the Kappa Women's Super Cup final, uh, which is tomorrow night as we're talking. Out at Goodwin Park, Lions versus Souths. Lions won the grand final last year, 7-1 over Western Pride. It could be a very interesting night there as well because we know Souths are quite stubborn, Adam. Yeah, look, uh, I, I said it on the... I said on the uh, Sunday show about when we're previewing this, and I've, I'm not, I haven't changed my thoughts on this. That you know, South have an opportunity to, you know, they they need to play the game of their lives, and then hope that Lions sort of, you know, have, you know, they they have a, you know, an off night. Uh, they they certainly they certainly have the capability. They've got the players to be able to do it. Um, like I said, I think the, the blueprint was shown by the QIS a few weeks ago as far as, you know, how to disrupt lines and all that. But if, if lines are on song, it is, there's not many clubs, women's clubs in the country that can, that can stop them. So at the end of the day, as, as you know, as anticlimactic as it sounds, uh, if lines show up, they win. Hopefully it's not a goal in the first minute this time, James, like it was 12 months ago. And the other thing which I did say on the Sunday, Sunday show, which I will repeat, hopefully no major injuries to anybody, given that was the oh, case. Yeah. Holly McQueen went down in a really serious knee injury. Great to see her back 
Now, I think she's been signed by the Raw as well, so hopefully that hopefully we can see her on the field, but no more of that. As for the actual game, I think Souths have got the players to hurt Lions. It's just, do they have the players to win the game? That's the question that is almost the MPLW revolves around at the moment. Plenty of teams have got the players who can hurt Lions. How many of them actually got the players to beat them over 90 minutes? I'm not sure. I tend to agree with Adam. I think Lions will win the game. Hopefully it's a good game and it's a close one as well, but I think that Lions will make it back-to-back. Yep. Back, uh, I think it's Lions to lose. If they show up and play at the level we know they can. However, I do think Souths are going to make it a very fascinating contest. Then Saturday uh, in the men's top division, uh, it is a simultaneous semi-final evening uh, with Lions hosting Olympic at Richland and Gold Coast Knights hosting Peninsula Power. Very quickly, uh, I won't get you to predict this because we don't want you guys thrown out of the uh, clubs when you go to uh, talk to them next season. What you, which game are you most looking forward to, Scott? Well, putting aside my dislike of these two games being side by side, I think the, these two matchups are always really interesting, but the one matchup that always, to me, gets I get the most excited by is Lions versus Olympic. Whenever they play, something crazy usually happens, and this is the fourth, third time this year. It's the fifth year in a row they're going to play in the final series. I'm looking forward to see what happens next. I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you what I think is going to happen. It's got no idea. I just want to see it. Adam? Uh, look, Lions Olympic always. Uh, this this is the modern modern day rivalry in in uh, this league. Uh, look, the form lines at the moment would suggest Lions should win easy. Olympic is struggling at the moment, but then again, this is the beauty of it all. The ambush could be on. Um, and I think the first half an hour of this game is going to be so crucial. And if Olympic, you know, happen to, you know, you know get up early in this, it, it, this could go anywhere. But I think, yeah, this is going to be another classic contest between, you know, two of the, the best clubs in the league and, you know, bring it on. And also as well, not to be forgotten, I think um, Power and Knights, that's going to be a tough old barn burner, that one. I think one goal might settle that one, as it has for a number of games in the league. Yeah, the anti-Poliak derby is going to be uh, really interesting, especially if he gets a free kick in the 85th minute or later. That's got extra time written all over it, that one. Yes, it does. Um, Now, before we wrap up, we did just get uh, a message on Twitter as well, which, again, uh, delayed podcast, so it kind of defeats the purpose a little bit. But this is from Jim Maloney uh, saying that Chris Taylor just dropped on uh, Football Nation Radio that Brisbane Raw have signed Joe Knowles from Oakley Cannons, who we saw trialling with them in the uh, preseason. So that could be another addition to the Raw's forward line. Chris Supply, too, was really good in that game against Leeds. um, Rabina, wasn't he? He scored. Hit. So thank you very much uh, for the uh, heads up there, Jimba. And we'll be back to recap a whole lot more football coming up on the next edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you very much, Adam. Yep, gentlemen, good uh, night. Yes, and uh, good night, Scott, I guess. Absolutely. Enjoy your weekend of football, be it Matildas, MPL, whatever it is, and we'll talk to you all next time. Yes, get out to the games if you can as well. That is the most important thing, seeing them in person, uh, be it Matildas, NPL, if there's a raw preseason friendly coming up like there is on Sunday. And also, we'll close out by saying a very happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. And we will talk to you later on the next edition of the Brisbane Football Review.